You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Remote Control. Turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8, let's jump in, verse 1. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing. Interesting request. He doesn't say, heal me. He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, this is an interesting little phrase for me. If I really approached God this way and said, not maybe demanding something, but said, if you are willing, Lord, heal me. You think, well, why would he not be willing? If he was not willing to, there'd have to be some reason. So this leper says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him and then spoke to him. And what did he say? I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them, which I've read through this who knows how many times, and I've never seen that phrase. And he says this throughout the New Testament, you go do it for a testimony to them. In other words, you are witnessing what happened to you and they're going to go, wow, this really happened. And if you go read in Leviticus, in the Old Testament, where it says what to do if you get leprosy and this massive procedural thing that goes down, there's procedure to follow when you're healed. And he says, don't tell anybody, go straight, offer the sacrifice, and then they will see you had leprosy, you do not have leprosy, and that will be a testimony to them. Keep reading. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, okay? So the first scene we have here was this leper. The leper approaches Jesus, asks him a question, and then Jesus puts his hands on him, says, I'm willing, and he heals him. So in my simple little mind, this is what I think. Where is Jesus when you need him? So if I've got someone, I'm sick, someone I know is sick, you'll see in a minute, a servant is sick, we'll get to that story. Every once in a while, you just have the thought, if Jesus were just here, we could fix this, right? He was there, and all these people, it's replete with mobs coming. We'll read some of that in a minute. If he were just here, Jesus could fix this. So does he have to be there? Read the next story. Goes into Capernaum. A centurion came to him, a soldier, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. So this is a soldier who has a servant, someone who works in his household, and he cares about this servant so much that he goes looking for Jesus and is overwhelmed by what his servant is going through and is trying to find someone, and obviously here believes, that Jesus can do something. And Jesus said to him, I will come and this is the thing that I'm just not there yet, but look at what he says. He says, I will come and heal him. He doesn't say I'll come, and what I would say is I'll come and 
pray for him. (laughs) Better to say, I will come and pray for you than to step up and say, I will come and heal him. You got to have Jesus game to say that out loud. So there's no doubt here. I will come and I will heal him. And then look what unfolds. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. You shouldn't even be in my house. That's how unworthy I am. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Now, this is a whole nother category. This guy says, I appreciate what you're saying. You really shouldn't even be in my house. I'm not worthy to have you in my house. So here's what I'd like you to do. Just say the word and I know that'll fix it. He'll be healed. Now that is remote control. That is saying that I don't have to be there for something to happen. I can call it here and it happened there. Now it gets even more interesting. Here's the reason why he thinks this is going to work. For I also am a man under authority. And before I read anything else, let me talk about this. He did not say first, I am a man in authority. He said first, I am also, meaning what? I know Jesus, you are a man under authority. I'm going to take a little carve out some space here in this and go at this a little bit. A lot more Christians than you think have authority issues. People that run things that are in authority, if you run something and you have people under you and you don't understand that you have to be under authority in order to be in authority, you are in trouble because you think you're just barking rules. Even a man who says, well, I'm the man of this house, I'm supposed to lead, there is not a dad on the planet, a husband on the planet who is doing it the right way that doesn't understand he also is under authority. Even Jesus put himself under the authority of the Father. And this centurion picks up on that. I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. So I'm under somebody, but I got people under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. So I get it. I'm a soldier, I got people under my authority, I do, and I think this guy had something going on right because he was operating under that same authority. Good chance that this guy, when he was told to do something, did it. And then look what Jesus said. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. I've never seen this kind of faith. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So he describes two groups, the people that come from everywhere and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and are actually believers and are in the kingdom. And then the other group is people who are quote unquote sons, but are not part of that kingdom after all and never make it. So then look what he says, go your way and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour, bam. Okay, so I'm trying to move from if Jesus is with me 
and I asked him a question in the flesh, if I could figure that out, and he touched me or spoke to me right there, I'd go, of course, that works. But what if Jesus is not there, or I understand that he doesn't have to be there to get the job done? He has not just control when he's physically there, but remote control no matter where he is. Now, why am I going over? You say, well, duh, dude, this is so simple. Why are you going over this? Because if it were so duh simple, we'd be doing it. I'm not interested in how many books you've read about prayer. I want to hear whether you're praying, whether you're asking, whether you're trusting, whether you believe this stuff really happens. How many of you have a phone on you, and maybe nobody here's got it, there's a chance somebody does, where you could literally turn lights on and off in your house from your device or your office? Raise your hand if you've got that on your phone, anybody. We got one right here. Are you sure they're all off right now? Okay. So you literally could open your device and run things from right here in your house. How many of you believe he's lying that that's not possible? Raise your hand. <laughs> One child. Okay. Nobody raised their hand. You know why? Because you go, well, duh, we got technology for that. I got a God for that. I don't need technology. I got a God who can sit on his throne wherever heaven is. You know, we're going to end up there and we'll see where it is. Sitting on a throne, running the whole universe. Forget just the planet. He's got to run the whole universe. It all holds together just by the word of his power. At some point, you have to begin to at least begin to get your head around what kind of God you're dealing with. And I used to say this. I used to say he's an awesome, you know, the God of the universe. He is not just the God of the universe. He's the God of everything of everything. He just created the universe. Who knows what's beyond the universe? Keep reading. Another scenario, back to the in-person. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, and maybe people don't know this in the Bible, so listen closely to this. Jesus went into Peter's house. He saw his wife's mother. Whose wife's mother? Not Jesus' wife's mother. Peter's wife. So it wasn't Jesus that was not the only one putting up with Peter. He had a poor wife putting up with him too. So he saw Peter's, his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and served them. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits, look at this next phrase, with a word. Now, for TV purposes, usually there's a little more they try to, you know, it's concoct in Jesus' name. You know, you have to say it weird or it doesn't work, I guess. You know, and hit people in the head and, you know, I just can't do it. I've heard of guys that go home like at two in the morning after partying and they're smoking weed and hit mute and just watch this crazy stuff happen. Like you don't need audio. It's like, what in the world is going on? We've turned it into some spectacle. And Jesus with a word speaks and it's done. When you got the kind of game where you can say, let there be light and there is light, you got some power. That's who you're dealing with. So when you go to God and you say, well, I can't see him. He's got something on his device here. He cannot see his house. But I guarantee if we put somebody in his house and get on another phone and say, okay, turn the lights on, we go, they're on. So we think that's possible. Then why is it not possible to communicate with God in Jesus' name and expect something to happen? So he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now, 
you say, well, now, are we going to go some kind of charismatic wild thing where if everybody doesn't get healed, we don't have enough faith and all that? It's not about that. For me, I'm just tired of not even trying. At least ask. A little bit farther down in that same chapter, verse 22, let's go down to verse 23. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then the disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing, because they knew he could do something, right? So I give them that. But they really had no idea what he could do. Lord, we are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Now think about it. You say, well, why would they be afraid? They had Jesus in the boat with them. How could they possibly be afraid? Let me tell you something. I don't have Jesus in a boat with me. I got Jesus in me. So the question is not why would you be fearful if he was in the boat with you? How could you ever be fearful when he's in you, in you? Who's going to trump that? Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I got nobody coming against me that can do anything to me without his permission. I have no reason to be afraid. Now, do I still get afraid? Yes. Do I get anxious? Yes. Do we have to talk that through? Yes. Do I have insecurities? Absolutely. Just like you do. And I have to talk that out with him and go, no, that's not where my value is. We're going to be okay and keep moving. So what does he do? Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose, got up, rebuked the winds and the seas, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Who is this person? If he created it all, he can certainly control it all. Go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 46. So Jesus came again to Canaan of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. So he's done this miracle there. Certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum, there was this certain nobleman, he's got a sick kid. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people, and I love this phrase, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. So part of the reason Jesus did these, they're called semion, is the word for it, these miracles, they wouldn't believe unless they saw something. He says it out loud. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. Doesn't go to his house. The guy's implored him to come, but Jesus says, go your way, go back home, your son lives, he's going to be okay. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. I have people that I trust absolutely, people that I would hand the keys to my house, my cars, everything I have, I trust. I have men in my life, that relationship I have with more men not that I don't trust women, but I have men in my life that if they tell me something, I don't have to shake their hand. I take them at their word. It is going to happen. Now, how can I have a relationship as a human being with other human beings that I trust that much? And then God tells me something. I go, oh, I'm a little shaky on this. What if he doesn't come through? I don't know that I can trust him. Do you see how absurd this is? You trust other people, why can't we trust God? And you say, well, he hadn't said anything to me. What do you think this is? It's a book full of promises. And you read them and say, 
Well, it says there, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You know what that means? He will never leave you or forsake you. That's what that means. I feel alone. It's not possible. You may feel something. It's not a fact because it can't be. Because if you're a Christian, he will never leave you or forsake you. So you find your promise, underline it and go, okay, well, I'm going to believe that one. You'd be amazed at how your life changes when you start believing what he says. Keep reading. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him saying, your son lives, he's alive, it's gonna be okay, he's all better. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. Now look at that, we'd all do this. What time? Because we're curious, what if it's the same time? And the answer he said, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. Exactly the same time. And he himself believed in his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. So he keeps doing these things that get people's attention. Go to Matthew chapter six. Go back over there really quick. We're almost there, kind of. Matthew chapter six, verse five. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, King James Version says in your closet. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask. In this manner, therefore, pray. Now, we all know this, but think about what you're praying if you actually do know this prayer. Our father, where? In heaven. You got a problem right there. It's not Jesus here, it's our Father in heaven. You can't even pray the Our Father prayer without believing that he can do something from there. Well, why isn't he here? Why didn't he come here and do something? Because he doesn't have to be here to do something here. He's God. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and then look at this next phrase, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is a stretch, so just go with me. If you can imagine God seated on his throne with a giant remote hooked up to every one of us and he punches the remote and that is supposed to trigger us like the centurion described, when I say go, they go. When I say come, they come. When I say do this, they do it. It should be the same way. That's what you're praying. Your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. When he speaks in heaven, things happen. So when he says something to the angels or to Michael or whatever, go do this, there's probably not a bunch of arguing. The first angel that argued got him a really warm place to live forever. <laughs> so it happens there. What is supposed to be going on down here is first time obedience. And where we get in trouble and where the lack of our obedience endangers the world is that we are not doing what he says to do when he says to do it. That affects us, but it affects the people around us who are getting left out of what God's trying to accomplish. So when he tells you to text somebody, you text them. When he says, write a note, write the note. When he says, call, call. When he says, write a letter, write a letter. When he says, go to their house, go to their house. You say, well, I don't hear all that. Then work on that because that's what's supposed to be happening. He wants to use your life. 
And when he says, pray for this person, pray for this person. But what ought to happen sooner or later is people start asking you to pray for them. There are people who actually feel like it's not just that they don't have God's number, first of all. That's how they feel. I don't even have his number. And if I dial it, he's probably got caller ID and he'd never answer my call. Little old me. And you say, well, can I pray for you? Then they start thinking, well, maybe you can get through. It seems like you know him and I don't. But maybe if you'll say something to him about me, that's what intercession is. It's interceding for someone. It's prayer. And then do it right there and do it with them out loud. And then they hear someone talking to God on their behalf. We don't even believe this stuff half the time anymore. But you know what? Lost people believe it because they're trying to contact God because they're in trouble and they know it. Ask from the heart. Save my servant. You want my kid. Do something. And I'm not going to ditch even if you don't, but I'm going to ask because you can. Go to Romans chapter 8. Let me just read you a couple out of this. I won't read the whole thing that I was going to, but Romans chapter 8. I'm going to jump through this quick. Part of verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Down to verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Down verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And then verse 28, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So at some point you go, I can't get it out. I don't even know what to say. And it's like the Holy Spirit says, okay, I got it. I'll kick in. I'll talk to the Father. I already know what he wants anyway, but you have to yield yourself and say, okay, pray through me. And you start praying. You go, well, I don't even know what I'm praying for. Just let the Holy Spirit pray through. You say, well, I don't understand that. You don't have to understand everything to let it happen. I don't understand why my wife loves me, but I'm not, you know, fighting it. <laughs> Had to include her somewhere here, so. Okay. And then one more in that chapter over 34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So I've got the Holy Spirit praying through me. I've got Jesus seated next to the Father. I can get through. I got his number. If you're dialing his number, it's not numbers. It's the letters on the phone. You just hit a J, an E, an S, a U, and another S, and you're through. So use that name. Drop that name. Work that name. There is no bigger name you can drop in heaven. That's it. It's a name above every name. So use the name. Why do we teach people to say, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name? All heaven pays attention. That's the name. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. 
The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. And then a little phrase out of James chapter 4 that says this, Yet you do not have because you do not ask. That may end up on my tombstone. You have not because you ask not. Now here's how simple that little phrase is in terms of becoming a Christian. You just say, God, somehow I think you're listening. I think you care about me. I have heard that Jesus died, was buried, and raised from the dead for me. And I got no hope. I got no life. I know there's an emptiness and you must be it. So I trust that. So I'm asking. I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to remove the sin from my life as far as the east is from the west. I accept that Jesus died on the cross for my sin, was buried, raised from the dead. I want you to come live in me. I am inviting you to come live inside of me to take up residence in this body, in my body, and to run my life the way you intended. I don't just want heaven. I want you and all that that means. So move in and let's do it your way because my way is not working. Now that's not complicated. But you have to ask. That's just how it works. He's not going to kick the door down. But if you open the door and let him in, he'll come in. Simple. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you, and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com, and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.